Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 41 of the Commando Voice. On this episode, I bring back an old guest. Please welcome Evan Caldwell. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, we're actually going to do a little bit uh, of a deviation from our normal format here. Um, we're actually going to go over um, COVID-19 and kind of focus in on how it's affecting the Stanwood Camino area. Um, Evan Caldwell, you'll remember from a previous episode, is a reporter for the Stanwood Camino News. And so he's been doing a lot of writing on the subject of how COVID is affecting the Stanwood Camino area from a business level, from a school level, and from a human connection level, so on a person-to-person basis. Um, but we also wanted to infuse a little bit of hope and a little bit of uh, positive news to this as well. So we do end it with talking about some of the positive things we've seen come out of this and uh, what are some of the aspects that we've seen in that that have been really positive. So uh, without further ado, here's my conversation with Evan Caldwell. Hey, Islanders, it's Brandon with the Camino Voice. And today I have a returning guest, um, and we're going to talk about some stuff, the current events of what's going on. Um, welcome back to the podcast, Evan Caldwell. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I wanted to bring you back onto the podcast specifically to talk about what's going on around COVID and really kind of zero in on how it's affecting the Stanwood Camino um, area because you've been doing a lot of research and stuff on that. So I just kind of wanted to kick it off with um, what was kind of your first article and what was your first focus of um, when you started kind of working on this? Well, when when the cases first started uh, climbing, it was it hit the Stanwood Commander area in kind of two areas. Uh, one, Josephine's was one of the first ones in the state to kind of have a little outbreak, a few people. And, you know, they, we had a press conference down in Everett. It was still really new. A lot of people were still trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah. And at the same time, the school, Stanwood, ended up being one of the first schools to close. And it was largely because we had cases at Josephine's. We had students. We had teachers that had connections down there. Um, and they just wanted to play it safe. And so we kind of hit had that affect us a little bit sooner. And as a result, a lot of people in the Stanwood Camino area kind of went through a lot of the motions of this process a little bit sooner than rest of the state and rest of the country did. Yeah. Well, and I remember when the schools, like when they started talking about the schools and everything like that, and then, you know, they said, well, we're going to close the schools for a little bit. And, and when they were first talking about that, I was like, oh, they're going to close it for a couple of weeks and then they'll get back on schedule. I'm like, man, this is going to really screw up their school schedule. And then when they came out with the announcement and said it's going to be closed until the end of April, I was completely blown away because that was six weeks away at the time. Yeah. And, you know, in the word since then that it's being closed the rest of the school year, it's it's still I would qualify it as kind of a shock to the system. A lot of parents, a lot of people, a lot of teachers, um, everyone's still trying to grapple with what exactly that means and how to kind of adjust to it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've talked to a few different of the teachers and stuff and I mean, they already have one of the hardest jobs. Um, and, uh, and they just got through this whirlwind of flip flopping back and forth. And then suddenly it was like, okay, do what you've been doing, but suddenly make it online go. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, they, everyone in the school system from top to bottom has a really tough task right now. Um, they, they've been doing, they've been a part of a education system that's worked fairly well for the last hundred years. And in the span of a couple of days, they're being asked to completely reinvent it. Um, so it's understandable that it's, you know, it's not like a flip of a light switch to now the kids are learning online. Um, it's, (laughs) it's going to be a process to kind of figure out kind of what works, not only like what works with what teachers can, um, kind of design as lesson plans, but how to convey those to students. And then like, you don't want to, I mean, a lot of these students are going to get help with their parents and you don't want to overwhelm the family structure. So a lot of different moving parts to what they've got to kind of figure out. Yeah. And how have you seen that been rolled out with like, for instance, like the Stanwood school system? Yeah. So they started first, um, with what they would call, I think they called them enrichment, um, materials, which is not new, lessons and it's not anything that's graded it's kind of a review thing kind of to you know kids can do to keep sharp stay busy but on april 27th the school district is going to be rolling out new uh, material with new lessons and it's going to be different i don't think that parents should expect to have their kids sit in front of a computer for six hours a day and there's a teacher (laughs) on the other end of the screen teaching a lesson it's going to be something different and what that is still has not quite been figured out yet but you know, it's going to be 30 minutes of a, you know, math uh, lesson that they're going to design in some online platform. There's a couple of different ones out there that the school uses. Uh, Clever is one. Seesaw will be another. Um, and as you go up in the grade level, they'll probably have more minutes and some more assignments um, just to try and get some sort of uh, teaching done because, you know, the parents want it. I think the kids want it. I know my kids do. <laughs> they're at the point where it's, they're even ready for school. Uh, the teachers, I mean, that's why they got into this business. They care about the kids and they want to, they want to teach them. And so they do, um, they just kind of have to figure out still kind of what's the best way to get from point A to point B. Right. And, and just can, just to confirm when they did the, the latest announcement, um, and for, to place this for everyone that's listening, because uh, if this ever gets listened to later on, mm-hmm. the date is it changes April- hour by hour. You're right. You got to tell. <laughs> yeah, we're we're on April 8th of 2020. Um, so if any of this sounds weird, um, that's if you go back in the history books, you'll be able to see that. But um, has Washington canceled school for the rest of the year, like including starting the fall? I uh, know not into the fall, but okay. the uh, state school superintendent did hint that that theoretically could be a possibility depending on. Uh, you know, how the numbers and the caseloads look right now. Um, But what did come out today, uh, April 8th, the State Board of Education ruled uh, that they could waive uh, some of the required credits for seniors. Um, So that kind of paves the way for the seniors to pretty much be able to graduate if they they needed to. And Stanwood has uh, 330 seniors, and the vast majority of them were already on track, and so they're probably going to be just fine. but the few that still needed a little bit more work, um, the school district is still going to work with them, still get them ready. But, you know, worst case scenario, the school, I mean, the state is providing waivers to them to make sure that they can still figure out a way to get them a, a diploma. Okay, very cool. 
So then with all your research with the school and stuff, have you been able to, I mean, I guess with quarantine and everything, it's harder, but have you been able to have contact with, with some of the senior students that have been around? Uh, no, but when the, <laughs> I mean, I've had limited contact with them, but I can, I follow a lot of them. I follow, uh, so the social media scene, uh, to a degree yeah. and when school was canceled and officially ended the, the, uh, the spring sports season, uh, put graduation into question. Prom is kind of out the door. Uh, I could sense that they were very unhappy. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, I, I just, the, the kids that have, you know, as a high schooler, right, you've been living your whole life kind of bit building to this moment, you know, yep. graduating high school, getting all the perks of being a senior, kind of coasting through that last bit of school, and then like senior prom and really having your moment. And to have that completely taken away, I, you know, to, to someone that's at, in that point, like that's their world. It's like, that's what they were working towards. Yeah. And I, I really do feel for him too, because it's, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun memories. Um, but if you can flip it around and look at the positive, cause you know, 20 something years from now, when you're in my shoes, you're going to look back at this time and it's going to be very unique that nobody else gets to go through. So yeah. having, having been to a 46 graduations in my lifetime now, uh, <laughs> keeping track, um, they're, 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 they're very the same. They're a lot of the same and they're not super unique, but this year <laughs> the seniors are going to have something unique. So, I mean, they're <laughs> definitely going to have that feather in their cap. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they're thinking about right now. <laughs> I know they're not, but you know, 20 years from now, then they'll come around. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, yeah. And I think it was, um, I think the other funny, not funny, but the other thing for these, these, these kids that are going through, um, all of this right now, again, I, I look at it from an adult's perspective, um, and as a businessman and like, how is this affecting the business? How can I make it through? But for these kids, who are used to seeing each other on an almost daily basis. Um, even kids that are homeschooled are used to seeing their friends a couple times a week. To suddenly be completely stopped from having any interaction with your friends, apart from social media and, and online, it's just, I mean, that would be world-ending for me at that age. Yeah, and it's it's tough. And I've got a, I've got a middle schooler, so I can kind of see it there. They, you can... You can uh, video chat and you can talk to them, but it's nowhere near the same of being in the physical presence. Especially those teenagers, they're they're very physical. You know, they're pushing, they're touching, they're shoving. They're yeah. They're, you know, that's that's half their communication. Right. So it's it's tough. I I feel for them. Yeah, they need to get that energy out, and then they're like, okay, stay inside, go. <laughs> yep, exactly. No, they're having tough times. Oh, so. Okay, so with the schools, like they're they're working through it all, but obviously, have you got to talk talk to many of the teachers? Uh, some, yeah, and some of the teachers have uh, kept pushing on, and um, some of the classes, some of the AP classes got cleared to continue working because they were kind of already <clears throat> in a uh, college atmosphere, and they just kind of followed the college model of online school, and that had been existing okay. for a while. So they are continuing to meet and still doing some of their schooling, um, but then you know. You get to the elementary level and you can't really meet as a class of first graders and yeah. go over stuff. And so, I, you know, it can be hard. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm sure for anyone that's in those those grades um, or for the parents and the teachers, like it's such a unique time of life that like, you know, they're just grasping certain concepts. And it's not like you can just sit down in front of a screen and like explain it to them. They have to be shown and, 
and handheld through all these things. Like, yeah, when you're talking about online teaching, I think for me, a lot of times I'll think of it from a college perspective or something like that, where you're like, yeah, you just get your schoolwork, you get it done, you submit it. It's not that big a deal. But for these ages where you, that's not how they learn. Like, how do you transfer that to online? Yeah. So that's definitely one of the things that the teachers are doing right now. A lot of the teachers are meeting in grade level groups and trying to to craft lessons that will work virtually at at each um, at each grade level. But I mean, you have to consider so many different factors because they're going to require help from parents, and then you have some parents um, <laughs> who have the time and ability to do it, and you have other parents who are in this day and age are still working. Yeah, and they come home from. Uh, a full shift somewhere and they don't really have time to put the same amount of effort in uh, as another parent did. And then you, then that raises the question of equity, which is a big one because there's a federal law uh, about education equity that the school have to be providing as equitable as, as education as possible. And so that's just another uh, twist in the turns that they have to do. Yeah, man, that's crazy. That's just the innovation that they're having to figure out on the fly. And like you were saying before, like from a system that's worked for hundreds of years or a hundred years, like suddenly like, okay, now switch it. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And they, and you know, I mean, to all their credit, they dropped everything and they started to get to work at it and it wasn't going to happen overnight. And they've been plugging away every day. They've been meeting and, and, uh, so far it's so good. I know there's a lot of parents out there that wanted, you know, something to start and I get it, but, I also get why they kind of have to go, you know, baby step style. Right, right. There's a lot to get done. And these teachers, I mean, already have such a big job on a regular school year. And to just quadruple their workload of like building something from the ground up and try and get it launched in such a short amount of time. It's just, it's crazy. Exactly. While following a lot of federal and state laws, they probably weren't all entirely, you know, um, you know, fluent in. Yeah, yeah. And and new ones that come out every day, I'm sure. <laughs> that is. And you were talking about it earlier. It's, everything is so far the last month has been changing, not even on a daily basis. It's been changing on an hourly basis. Yeah. Yeah. So so let's pivot a little bit then. Um, what You've also done some research then on the kind of the small businesses and how that's been affecting, um, how they've been affected by COVID during this time as well, right? Yeah. And I know you're, you're probably more in tune with this too, but... Um, we looked at the restaurant industry, which was just, you know, pretty much flipped upside down because yeah. of this whole thing. Um, and, and we looked at kind of the small retail businesses here in town. Um, and then we looked at some of the resources that the government and the state have just been thrown out there and kind of the, how to navigate all of this new stuff that's being thrown at every business owner. And while the business owner, uh, has all these things at their disposal, it's not really what they're, you know, used to. Usually a, a small business owner is used to running their business and it takes a lot of their time and energy and then they're really passionate about it and they're not quite ready to just stop what they're doing and sit down and flip through how many pages of, you know, SBA loan material that you've got to kind of read and digest and yeah. it's, it's time sensitive. Yeah. So um, that's definitely one aspect of it. And then the restaurant <clears throat> aspect of it was is that, everything changed so fast that you had, if you wanted to kind of keep the doors open, you had to change really fast and it was complicated and hard um, because you had to meet all these new rules and requirements. In the meantime, you're juggling uh, payroll with everyone that was, you know, uh, 
and the change in customer behavior. So you really had to be nimble if you wanted to keep the doors open. And in most cases, you probably had to shed some staff or staff hours in order to keep uh, keep operating. Right. And some were able, uh, some were not. Some just kind of hit the pause button, um, and and they're just kind of kind of going to stop for a second and regroup. And you know, you can't blame them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's been the 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 hardest thing with everything that started. I mean, um, you know, with everything with the you know, uh, Governor Inslee mentioned it, you know, coming out with the essential and non-essential businesses. I understand why they have to do what they have to do to try and contain this. But it, I mean, just from that, per, from the business person's perspective, it's this, like, they still have bills to pay. They still have these things they have to do. And to not be allowed to work, they have to figure out what they're doing and how they can continue to move forward when they can't open their doors. Exactly. And then you can take it a step further and say, you know, those business people also have mortgages to pay for the home that they live in. Yeah. And, and they got to figure out a way to get money. And, and, you know, the state even opened some doors uh, for uh, business owners to apply for some of these unemployment right. um, benefits. But even that, they said, sure. And then the state goes, wait, we're not, you know, our computer system's not even coded for that yet. And so they've got to completely kind of redevelop their system yep. in order to allow somebody to do it. And in the meantime, if you wanted to do it without the computer system, which means doing it online, you have to call. And calling the unemployment department right now is just impossible. Right. I mean, so they're overwhelmed with that and just, um, uh, it's an hour, hours long wait if you're lucky. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, and then the um, yeah with the restaurants that I've been seeing, like it's just it's even if you get everything launched and you're able to nimbly switch on to online ordering and delivering and all this stuff, it's a different mindset for your customer base. Your customer base, especially if you're a sit down restaurant, normally mm -hmm. um, your customer base is, comes to you because they want to have a night out or they want to do dinner out and maybe get a drink and have this away from home place yeah and so your customer mentality you've got to change all of that which is never easy and so you can turn it on the next day and then be crickets because people aren't used to that your main customers aren't used to doing that yeah i mean i mean restaurants in general were a place to congregate with people that you knew and you liked and you wanted to hang out for a while and that's exactly what you can't do right now yeah um and so yeah i know they're hurting though and then the ones that seem to be um, finding some sort of success right now have just shifted toward um, kind of making, and I'm speaking mostly toward, toward like, you know, sit down dinner places, um, sh shifting toward kind of making family style meals that can be delivered or taken out. Yeah. So instead of having a family of six order six different items from a menu, you've got the the one big giant like plate of lasagna that they made for you. Yeah. Uh, or And sides or whatever. And that's easier to keep warm in the oven and serve lots of people on it. I get that, but it still doesn't replace, come close to replacing what it was before this. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, the, with everything going on, they have, they've done, um, they've tried to push out all of these things so quickly, like whether it's with the SBA, um, and, and then today, or maybe it was yesterday, Washington released a thing that they're actually doing as a state to try and help these small businesses as well. Um, and then, you know, there's the economic relief things and all these other things that they're trying to put in there. But again, 
as a business owner, you already have a lot that you're working with and trying to juggle, like, um, you know, even like simple things like scheduling, inventory. Um, Mm -hmm. How are we pivoting in our business and how are we, um, you know, if you have to make that transition to an online ordering type thing, like you've got to do all of that. And then on top of that, like you mentioned before, you've got this stack of paperwork that you're like, if I don't do this, I may not be in business tomorrow. But at the same exactly. time, if I don't switch on online ordering and get all of that figured out, I also may not be online, you know, be alive tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, so for example, for example, you were talking about it's the, the uh, Working Washington Small Business Grant that the governor yeah. announced this week. It was a grant to provide $10,000 for small businesses under uh, 10 employees to kind of, yeah. you know, pay for rent, utility bills, and that type of thing. Did, did you consider applying for that or know anybody that did? Yeah, so we've looked into that. And I think uh, it's a little confusing in how they've written these things because they've all been written so quickly and they're just trying to get them out. Yeah. Um, it is one that we're looking at um, because it, it at first I was like, well, it doesn't – I don't think it works because one of the paperwork said uh, 10 or less employees and then some say 10 or less full-time employees. So then they've got formulas and all that. So I think I do qualify. Um, we just haven't actually done the paperwork and yeah. stuff. And and see, that's just one of the one of the handful of things that are out there for people. And so you got to walk through all that paperwork and takes all that time. And then on top of it, like you're not fully guaranteed that you even right. get into that relief because uh, as of today, there was uh, just over a hundred people, a hundred small businesses on um in the area that have applied for it yeah um and you know that's just our area so times that by the rest of the state yeah and you know they've got to a process this and then b figure out who gets the money and and how much of it and when so yeah you know there's no guarantee you're going to get some of that it's it's very um very tough time to be a small business owner right now yeah well and and then like i said for the small business owners that are are unable to actually open their doors you know, they've had to figure out, like, can they do deliveries or can they do, you know, a lot of them, uh, I found out um, you have to actually mail it. You can't do actual deliveries. So, like, trying to set that up and transition all of that stuff, too, um, yeah. has been another big step. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't envy you at that at all. <laughs> So it's, I know it's just, it's like getting, it's like, uh, it's like going to school all day and then the professor gives you a whole bunch of homework to do. And you're like, I, I worked all day. And then you're giving me more to do when I get home. That's, yep. Yeah. Your, your brain power is already done. And then of course you've got, you know, for all of us now, like that have kids, you come home from a big day of work, you've got kids, you want to connect with them and have a little bit of time with them so that they get to interact with their, their mom or dad. And then you're like, okay. Now I need to get back into this and do this thing. <laughs> and so then you're yep. jumping back on the computer after they go to bed. And yeah, it's just, it's crazy right now. Oh. So, um, so then, okay, moving uh, then past the business side, you, you've kind of looked into more of the human side of it as well. What have you kind of been discovering through there? Uh, well, we, we've kind of looked at kind of how this is affecting, affecting the people in the area and uh, some of the responses that are out there. The, I know the, um, uh, like the kind of the large nonprofits in the area that rely on a lot of event um, events for fundraising don't have that. So then they don't have the money yeah. out there to then help people. And this is a time where there's a lot of people that need help. And so trying to kind of, we were trying to try to track down just how much that's affecting people. And we've got like the Camino center and the Stanwood 
uh, senior center and the um, Stanwood Area uh, Foundation, like all those uh, community organizations in town that are just seeing this huge rise in need have at the same time have this huge drop in resources and money. Yeah. Um, and so they're, they're out there asking for, um, donations and I know that they, people have been responding fairly well. So that was really cool to see. Nice. Um, and you saw, I mean, jumping back to schools real fast, they were handing out, um, they hand out food every day, uh, to people. And I know that they hand out, I think it's more than about 500 lunches, uh, a day to area kids. So yeah, keeping people fed is a very good thing. Right. Um, there's, a little, there's more, you know, there's fun sides of this thing too. Uh, we did a story about a Camino Island man, um, Dave Casera, who started a online gallery for artists in yeah, the area yeah. that have did works, uh, since this pandemic has started and they have nowhere to show them. And so he's created an online gallery. Oh, very uh, cool. That was a little innovative. Um, we checked in with, we're checking in with the, um, uh, area, uh, pet shelters, uh, Casa and Noah. And they are, I think Casa was almost out of pets and Noah wasn't too far behind. So it's kind of interesting in this day and age that everyone's either adopting or they're um, fostering the pets. Yeah. So that was, that's kind of fun to see, you know. Yeah. No, that's neat. Uh, seeing, I, and really, I think that's one of the, the neat aspects in seeing all of this. Um, and I, I've, you see it across the country, but um, more focusing on like the Stanwood Camino area. Um, what are some of the like, um, like the positive aspects or what, how have you seen just neat aspects within the community because of this, the, because of COVID? Um, I, I, you know, I get a lot of people, um, that have messaged and, um, asked me just how, how can I help? And that mentality kind of was out there before, uh, this pandemic either too. Like this is a very, uh, community minded area and, um, it's, it's, it's a bummer because I don't really have a way to say like, you know, you can go do this and this and this, but the people are out there and they just, they're trying to find a way to help. And I think it's a good, um, kind of mental health space to be in where people have pushed past this and they just want to be productive. Um, you we saw that I think in the, um, uh, group of people that are making masks at home. Yeah. I think there were, we were, they were over a couple, there were over a hundred, uh, quilters. So the days for girls <laughs> club and then the two or three different local quilting clubs joined forces and they have somebody kind of spearheading their projects and they've made over a thousand masks for the area. Oh, very and, cool. And they're continuing to do that. Um, and then there, there are some places that have started making their own homemade, um, uh, hand sanitizer, uh, two places up just North of us in Anacortes and Mount Vernon. Yeah. Um, so, you know, p- people are stepping up and trying to find ways that they can do it. Um, it's tough because you want, in order to help, you usually are getting out there, you know, yeah. um, shaking hands and making things happen, but that's exactly what you can do right <laughs> now. <laughs> so, I mean, you, uh. get, you, you see people that have put, um, things in their windows, cheer people up in their walks. You see more people going out for walks, especially with this weather being nice, which is great. Yeah. Um, I wish I had another way to tell people how they can help. And I'm really, I'm really, you know, pleased to see that there's so many people reaching out asking how to help. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they've, <laughs> I've seen a lot of like social distanced from the car, like birthday wishes and, um, 
And then, you know, we've been uh, working with the food bank a little bit just in um, just some of our day olds. We're, we're trying to reduce foot traffic through the building. So we don't want to attract more people through to walk in um, by having day olds out. So um, we contacted the food bank and, and Lynn Ayers, the, the director of that. She's like, yeah, we, we, we're, we can take those. And um, but she said I've been able to talk to her a little bit. And she said they've been. Um, you know, overwhelmed with the amount of people that they're now working with and, and trying to get fed. Mm-hmm. But the stepping up from the community has been incredible. Um, she said every time someone calls out from a shift because of some issue, um, someone else has immediately set, stepped up and volunteered for that time. And And for her, she can't actually work in the building right now because the food bank has banned anyone that's over a certain age of yep. being in there because they're high risk. And so she has to do everything and manage everything and direct everything from home. Um, but uh, she said the the community response has been fantastic on that. That's good. And um, I mean, when in the early days, it's been like a month now, but um when Josephine's first had some of the cases, uh, it was neat to see people reach out and support the staff at Josephine's. I mean, we had the people deliver coffee and then there was people that delivered donuts and then, uh, people delivered a whole bunch of cards and other uh, cookies to the staff, um, and people there that, um, were kind of on the front lines of this at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oh, go ahead. I was going to say like, and to, to go further into Josephine's it's, I mean, this, uh, this virus has hit, um, those adult care facilities really hard, but yeah. Josephine's, I mean, they've had six deaths. Um, there was a uh, new one reported today, which I know is mm. six too many. Um, but they, their efforts, um, from the get go were, were really swift and, uh, really kind of, um, uh, the lockdown seemed to work. They, their facilities got all these different kind of wings and they were able to kind of keep, uh, the nursing home people that were uh, positive in one area locked down everyone else. <clears throat> and then it was just a couple days ago, the people in the suites, uh, there was no more cases that had worked its way through and nobody tested positive. And okay. It was just confined to one area. Whereas you see all the other uh, adult care facilities, there was in Bellingham and on Woodby and up <clears throat> in uh, Skagit and then down in the Seattle and then down in Everett where they had one, two, ten you know, 20 and then it was 50 and they've wow. got, you know, they're dealing with a dozen or so deaths uh, in, a, in a lot quicker span than Josephine. So, right. so, I mean, the measures they took seem to have worked really well. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good to hear. And definitely for all of the medical staff um, that have just continued to, you know, be part of that and, and work along work in these situations and have to deal with all these, this chaos that's going on. Um, yeah, I know. And, and, you know, I'll echo the statement, uh, the sentiment that a lot of people do is like, when this is all over, it's, it's those, you know, frontline responders that, you know, are going to deserve a parade or yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of stress that's going on right now from so many different reasons around it. Um, cause it's not just the COVID, but it's the economic, it's the, it's the, contain the everything about it it's the uncertainty yeah i think that's well said yeah and um you know these people have to go in you know most of us are trying to stay away from it and avoid it and all of these people have to go into a place where they know it is 
and mm-hmm. and do deal with that stress every day. Um, so very thankful for those people. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I hats off to them. I mean, I've had my hats off to health coworkers for years because I can't stand the sight of blood. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, I lean on them. I'm glad that they can do it. It's something I can't do. Yeah. Yeah. No, to, for, for definitely the people that have had to step up and, um, the people that are really the people that are kind of unsung heroes throughout normal life with the medical teams, um, the teachers and, um, and just seeing that, you know, they've had to work through this very difficult time, but they've been worthy of the task and stepped up to it. Um, kudos to all of them for, for what they're doing. So, yes. Yeah. Um, so, and really I am, I'm very, very thankful for the Stanwood Camino community. Um, I have seen in other communities where there's these these posts and stuff of that of people that are um, slamming small businesses and stuff like that for even being open, um, even ones that are considered essential. And um, we have not experienced any of that. Um, the customers that have ordered from us and come through and despite having to pass through quickly and just do takeout have been very thankful, super supportive during this time. And uh, I just think this community is such a great community to be a part of. Yeah, and I, and I, I track it on kind of a wider scale across uh, the whole area. And I have not seen uh, too many uh, people out there either complaining or businesses doing anything uh, super, you know, out of the ordinary. Everyone seems to be doing what they should be at the grocery store, doing what they should be at stores, maintaining social distance. It's I, Again, I think it goes back to it, it kind of hit us first here. Yeah. Um, and, and we kind of are a week or two kind of ahead mentally, uh, than a lot of the rest of the state or country. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, well, I think, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, yeah, we're, we're actually helps. recording this at night, probably both at home, um, because this is the only time we could get time to do this, but that really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give everyone kind of a quick update uh, and more of a hyper-focused update of what's going on in our community with it. Um, but also just, it's really neat to hear all the positive things that have, that have come out of this and, uh, to see how the community's responded in a positive way. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be a whole bunch more still to come. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Evan Caldwell for joining us back on the podcast again. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, go to kamenocommons.com slash EP41. Again, that's kamenocommons.com slash EP41. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.